What a great song. What a great worship song to actually bring us into this moment that we do actually praise our God, our King of Kings. So let's just pray now. Let's just ask God to be with us right now. Our gracious, loving God, we just give you thanks for the day. We give you thanks for the time of worshipping together. And we ask that you always be with us, that you guide us, you lead us. And Lord, we ask you specifically, may your Holy Spirit be upon us now. Open up your word in the Bible that we may know what it means for us and that we may know how to live our life according to your plan. I pray this in the name and the power of the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Well, we arrive at a new series. You know, we're actually not in the first Sunday of the month. Normally we'd run one with the first Sunday of the month, but we're now in the the beginning of our new series and we're going to be looking at um, the good life. But before I get going too far... um, most of you may know that Caleb and Kerry and myself uh, were at a conference two weeks ago. It's, time flies when you're having fun. Two weeks ago, we were at a conference, and, and one of the speakers gave this wonderful illustration um, that I just want to kind of just bring it to you and give, give it to you as well, um, because it kind of is going to get us into starting thinking about what makes the good life. And what is our Christian good life as well? So, uh, how many people um, know the search engine Google? There's a few people that know Google. Uh, and you, you know when you're typing into Google, you're looking for something, um, and it has what's known as a predictive autofill. Wonderful name, isn't it? Predictive autofill. In other words, you're starting to type something, and it might be YR, and it'll start to come up with suggestions. Now, the, the illustration this, uh, this guy gave us was if you actually put it in, and you can't do it now, unfortunately. Your Google's actually changed their algorithm slightly, so it doesn't work on some things and other things it does. But if you typed in, why are Buddhists so, and leave it, the top response will be happy. If you type in, why are Smurfs so, you'll get happy as well. If you type in, why are dolphins so, you'll get happy as well. Unfortunately, I've changed it, and if you typed in Muslims or Christians, you actually don't get anything. It actually, and I, I don't know why. Well, it's, it's, so, it's so because, you know, I think uh, people were complaining that uh, the responses they were giving, that, and the reason they have it is that because it's top searches. It's what people are actually trying to find out. Now, I don't know why people are trying to find out why Smurfs are so happy, um, but, you know, it's, it's those kind of responses. But you know what? The top response, the top autofill response before Google changed the way it worked was why are Christians so... Can anybody give a guess? Oh, you, you have to be quiet. You'd know the answer. <laughs> Hypocritical? Not quite. That was up there, though. That was up there. Let me tell you. Hypocritical was up there. Why are Christians so mean or nasty? Isn't that amazing? That's pretty slap-in-the-face kind of thing. That's what the world is searching. It actually gives you an insight into what the world thinks about Christians. And, you know, and it, to be honest, it doesn't reflect my understanding of Christianity. It doesn't reflect my understanding of the reality of Jesus Christ 
uh, great love for the world. It doesn't reflect the reality of the way I want to live my life. I don't want to live my life as mean and nasty. Does anybody want to live their life as mean and nasty? Come on. I want a positive response here. I want you to say, no, I don't want to live my life. Come on. Yeah, that's it. Good. See, we don't believe that, that we are mean and nasty, but a lot of the world think the way sometimes we behave and the actions that we do, the stuff. It really doesn't give us give the world a kind of confidence that as a Christian you're living the good life. Because mean and nasty doesn't relate well to living a good life, doesn't it? Or having the good life. Um, so in this series that we're going to be looking at over the next number of weeks, um, we're actually going to be exploring what it means to live the good life according to God. So moving on from why are to what is, what is the good life? For you, what makes a good life? What are, I want you to start thinking, what are some of the things that makes a good life for you? Is it money? Is it power? Is it fame, success, having a job, not having a job? Having the Australian dream of owning a house and land. Is it having good health? Is it looking good? Smart and schmick and looking fabulous. Is it feeling good? Or is it just a transitory fix that makes you feel high for a moment and then you've got to get another fix later on? You know, what is it that for you makes a good life? Did any of those ring true? Or is it something completely else? So, interestingly, a study done not so long ago about millennials. So, so they're, they're the um, young teenagers that are starting to grow up and become adults. Um, and and the, the question, they do, they do grow up and become adults, let's be honest. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the question that was asked is, is, what are their major life goals? They, they were, you know, they were doing a study and asking, the millennials, the new generation coming up, well, what are their major life goals? And over 80% of them said their major life goal was to get rich. Now, isn't that amazing? Over 80% of this new generation, their major life goal was to get rich. Why? So they can have a good life. You know, money equals the ability to purchase and buy what you want and have a good life. Over 50% of them also said their major life goal was to be not happy. Can anybody guess what it is? Think of Instagram and you want to be famous. That's exactly right. I want to be famous. I want to be rich and famous. Don't laugh. (laughs) Don't laugh. So if becoming rich and famous is the key to living a good life, do we believe that? Do we actually believe that being rich and famous is the key to having a good life? I don't want to say no. I want to say outright, no, that is not the answer. And I want to show you it's actually not what God actually thinks as well. It's not what God has planned for our lives, and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't equate to being, having the good life. Uh, let's, let's go right to the beginning of the Bible, into Genesis, and I'm going to put up a, a verse in, in, in the screen in just a second, of Genesis 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 31. Now, let me just set the scene for you. 
Um, so this is a creation story. This is God creating the, the stars, the heaven, the earth, the, the seas, the land, the wind, the sky, the, you know, the, the fish, the birds, the animals, the plants, and the people. And when he'd done all of this, this is what God does. And then God looked over all that he had made. So God's looking over all of creation, all that's been made, and he saw that it was very good. And evening passed and morning came and marking the sixth day. So, you know, and then God went on and rested. But he looked at all of creation and it was good. And I want us to think about what, what it means that God looked at all of creation, all that was made, and it was deemed good by God. Why was it good? Did he, did anybody, does anybody ever thought of when we read that, why was all of that creation good? It's because it's the way that God exactly intended it to be. That's what made it good. That it was created and it was good because it was fulfilling its purpose, its destiny. It was doing what it was created to be. So as we start this series, I want this to be the basis that we actually start to think about it. So if good, when God looks at all creation, is the way we are meant to be, then living the good life is living the life fulfilling the purpose that God has created for us, isn't it? We start to make those logical steps. So the, the good life according to God, because God made you with a purpose. And when you live the way that God has actually intended you to live, then you are going to have a good life according to God. And in God's eyes, your life will become more meaningful and you will feel that you are doing what God has actually intended for you to do. There will be purpose. There will be meaning. There will be satisfaction. So fulfilling the purpose that God actually has for us is not just an Old Testament kind of concept there. It, it, it comes into the New Testament as well. Let me throw up Ephesians uh, 2 verse 10. And it says, for we are, what, we are God's masterpiece. I love this. We are created, and we, we did a whole series around being God's masterpiece. We were created and wonderfully made. God sees in us, each, every one of us, beauty, wonder, perfection. That's what a masterpiece is. So we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So through the love of Jesus Christ, through the action of Jesus Christ, through us coming to Christ, we've been made new again. And so we can do, what can we do? We can do good things. Why? That he planned for us long ago. So God has created a purpose within the life of everybody of us every one of us, the whole of creation. And for us to do good out of that, to live that good life. God intends for you to live and have life in abundance. Where's that from? John 10.10, 10, isn't it? And I love, I love how this, you know, John 10.10, 10, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy my purpose. This is, this is Jesus speaking. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life, to have life in abundance. So if you start to think about this, we start to pull it apart, what do we start to see here? 
You know, if, if we're striving for, for, to be rich and famous, one of the things we realise when we try and strive for that is that we do have to destroy. We do have to kind of steal and kill and do all those things to get above everybody else, to be better than everybody else, to have more than everybody else. Jesus' purpose, God's purpose for our life, to have a good life, is not to be rich and famous, not to destroy, not to kill, but to have life and have in it all of its abundance, the wonderfulness of life. The good life is fulfilling the purpose that God has for you. But, it, but see, the thing is, if it's fulfilling the purpose God has for you, there's a catch to that, isn't there? If you don't know God, if you actually don't have that personal relationship, if you don't know God, then how can you know what purpose God has for you? How can you know that God wants more than you could ever imagine for you? So one of the biggest keys to having the good life, according to God, is actually to get to know God personally, to, to know his will and his purpose for you and for your life and to start living out that purpose. You know, that's so important. See, people often say that becoming a disciple of Jesus, that, that is becoming a Christian, Christian in the real sense, not just in the name sense, but in the, the real, I'm embodying what, what is the good life according to God in who I am. It's a life-changing experience. And that's true, that's so true because we, we no longer search for meaning and purpose um, from the point of view of the world. We search it from the, through the eyes of God for our lives. We search it through what God has planned for us. We search it through fulfilling the purpose that God has given us. We find it in the very relationship that we have with our Lord and our Maker. So for our younger generation, and not only our younger generation, so let's, let's not just bag on millennials, because I, I, I have a guess that most generations would at some point want to have been striving for fame and fortune and, and, and glory and power and all those kind of things. But what does the Bible say about this? specifically about the search for riches and, and, and the fame and fortune. And we'll actually delve into this a little bit more deeply, but I'm just going to touch the surface here. I just want to share with you from Luke's Gospel. So from Luke 12, uh, verses 13 through to 21, it has this wonderful story that Jesus is telling. And then someone called from the crowd, teacher, so he's talking to Jesus, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. So it's over money. How are we going to divide it up? You know, somebody's taken more, you know, notice what it is, the thief comes to steal and take. And so they've got this dispute going on about who's got more and who's got less and I want more out of this. My brother hasn't given me enough. Jesus replied, friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that, you know? And then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. So guard against trying to get more and more and more, the greed that I, you have something and I need to have more. Greed, I have something and I just need to more. I, I cannot, I, greed is just continually consuming everything, needing to have, needing to want more. Life is not measured by how much you own. And then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. And he said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. 
And then he said, look, I know, I'll tear down my old barns and build bigger ones to stick more in. And then I'll have room enough to store all of my wheat and all the other goods. And then I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, he's talking to himself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink and be merry. Can you kind of start to see, you know, that's the point of view most people have about what the good life is all about, about having enough money stored away so you can put your feet up and eat, drink and be merry. But God said to him what? He said to him, you fool, you will die this very night, then who will get everything you work for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. It's not strive. The good life is not striving for money. It is not having enough so that you can sit back and do whatever you like. It's about having that relationship, that rich relationship with God. That's where the good life comes from. It's not measured by how much you own. It's not measured by the aspirations that we have and the way we want to live. It's not measured by the postcode we live in. Although Cronulla's pretty good, I have to tell you. you know, but, yeah. Now, having stuff, having money, you know, having possessions, having the latest gadget, whatever it is, doesn't lead the good life. The relationship with Jesus Christ, a rich personal relationship with God is what gives you the richest life. You know, having possessions and money and that is not our intended purpose. I, I want to pose you a question now that we've had all this conversation about this. Um, just, just say that you won, won, inherited, whatever it is, you know. Um, you know have you ever noticed that, you know, when, when the ads come on the TV for, um, you know, Powerball or Lotto or, you know, whatever they are, and they have these ridiculous sums of money, you know, $80 million, I think it was this week, that was, you know, up for Powerball or whatever it was. Have you ever wondered what you would do if you won that? Yep. Good, good, good. So, so, so if you were to think, you know, and for most people, you can't even comprehend what $80 million really looks like. You know, that's, that's just an insane amount of money. But what would you do with it if you won it all? What would you do with it if your rich relative gave you all that money? You know, nothing that you had to work for, it just appeared there for you. What would you do? What's coming to mind now? Would you put it in a bank? Let it accumulate interest? That sounds pretty boring, doesn't it? Did anybody come up with that solution? Nope, nobody came up with putting it in the bank and letting the interest accumulate. That's pretty boring. Um, maybe you thought about buying expensive items that you were beyond your means at the moment. A new car, a house. Caleb's smiling. <laughs> so I think that was Caleb's thought. Did anybody, you know, um, or paying off debts, going on a holiday? World trip. See, there's some things. Uh, 
<laughs> a one-bedroom house with 18-car garage. So obviously, it's all about the cars, isn't it? So, you know, it's, it's actually buying stuff beyond our means, isn't it? You know, it's that, you know, there's that tangible thing that there's, the world is your oyster because you've got all this money. It's interesting because when you actually ask, when this question is asked of people, they, they, they talk about having holidays, they talk about buying stuff, they talk about quitting their jobs and putting their feet up and enjoying themselves. They talk about flying around the world or owning a boat or paying off people's debts. Not once did they say, I'll put money towards the church or I'll give it to mission to see something happen. However, when people look at this, and when they've actually done studies on this, people who won money, they tend not to actually find the happiness that they thought it was going to give them. It actually made them protective and you know, standoffish because everybody around them knew they won money and they wanted some of their money and so they protected it from everybody wanting money. And so they became insular and it became sad for them. So let's just circle right back quickly to the Bible and Luke's gospel story about the rich fool. And notice something that the great wealth that he'd stored up, he started to place his trust in his fortune and his happiness in the fact that he had enough to get by and not have to worry about anything. He'd stored up his wealth here on earth. His wealth meant that he could sit back and put his feet up and just live the supposed good life. But it wasn't the case. I just love the way that Jesus puts it and how the New Living Translation that we've just read today puts Jesus' final statement. Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. A person is a fool not to store up a rich relationship with our God rather than storing up earthly wealth. That rich relationship with God is what leads to living the good life. It's what leads to knowing what God wants in your life. It leads to actually fulfilling the purpose that God has for you. It's interesting. One of the longest studies into human happiness, uh, it's done by Harvard, uh, shows that it's not wealth that we accumulate that makes us happy, but rather it's actually our relationships that make us happy. It's our connectedness with people and it's our relationship ultimate with God, our maker, that will produce our good life. So in the start of this series on uh, the good life according to God, I want to say that how we measure what is the good life has to do with two important and interrelated things, our relationship with God and our fulfilment of the purpose that God has given us. That will lead us into a good life. So let's just pray. Oh Lord, we just pray that we will have that deep, rich, life-giving relationship with our Lord and our Maker. May each of us here today know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour. May our lives be changed. 
May our vision of what is the good life be challenged and changed. May we have a good life according to God. May our relationship with our God be sustaining, fulfilling and life-giving. We pray this in your holy name. Amen.